Um, we've been in a series uh, for the last, this is the week five. I don't have the time to go into everything that we've learned. We've learned an awful lot. You want to check out those series. You can go on our podcast, which is uh, Recovery House of Worship, Brooklyn. No, Recovery House of Worship. Our How Brooklyn. It's Our How Brooklyn. That's the podcast, Our How Brooklyn. You want to do that just because you want to hear, because we build on, uh, our sermon series are never done like, you know, you get everything in one shot. They build on one another. And so you have to listen to those others. Um, Today we're going to talk about those things that kind of have you caught, held, that don't let go. Do you understand what I'm talking about, that there are sins in your life? There are certain things that you could give up, right? And you could give up rather easily, right? Some of us, you know, it's, it's different things for some of us. Isn't it interesting how one person, oh, it was easy for them. I remember this story, true story. So I started to smoke cigarettes when I was like 11. And uh, no thanks to the influences in my life, um, Pastor Raymond. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's actually true. Um, but... Uh, uh, but, okay, so, so I, right, so I, I, I stopped uh, smoking cigarettes when I, later, about eight years later, I was clean, and I decided, hey, you know, I'm, I'm clean off of this other junk, and so maybe I'll, I'll get off cigarettes, too, so that's what I did, I stopped, I stopped smoking cigarettes, and, um, and I remember it was miserable, it was like catching the flu, it was, I was like, this is what heroin addicts must feel like, when they, like, quit uh, using heroin, because it was like, my bones ached, I had the flu-like symptoms, it was awful, right? So I did that, right? And then what happens? Pastor Claudio, he comes, he gets saved, right? Goes to a prayer meeting, right? He, now, I smoked for eight years, nearly died, right? Nearly died. Like a, a two months of like can't walk, can't move, can't function. Claudio goes to a prayer service. They go like this. Uh, I pray you don't get, you know, you don't smoke anymore. He gets up, never has a craving again, never has a withdrawals, never has, it was just like miraculous. I say that to say it's because there's certain things that we're bound by that for other people it was like, wow, look at how easy it was for them to let go. And other things we go, whoa, this is really hard. So I don't want us to look at each other's sins and say yours is worse than mine or yours is better than mine or anything like that. But what I do want to point out is that there are certain things, certain things, certain sins that have gotten a hold of our lives that have their hooks in our souls and that we wind up creating our greatest regrets over. Isn't it true that you look back at the, um, at the rearview mirror of your life only to go, what was I thinking? Why did I go in that direction? You look and you just go, oh my. These are sins that tempt us that we get our identity from, sins that we just go, well, I was born this way, I'm going to stay this way, there's nothing that's going to change, and God is saying, no, 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 no. You were not born to be a slave, you were born to be free. And today we're going to talk about the freedom, but now watch this, it's going to be a tough one, okay? Because whenever we start talking about addressing sin, people want to tune out, because we always, listen to me, the Holy Spirit, I don't know what you're going through, but you do. And the Holy Spirit will always bring out your particular sin. You know how, like, your sin is not as bad as my sin because your sin is okay, but my sin is not so much, right? Have you ever done that? Yeah, you go like this, you know, like, oh, this happens all the time. Like, you know, oh, my gosh, did, did you see the way they ate that, you know? They, see how much they ate? And it's like, oh, that's so much worse. But you go, wait, I, didn't you just polish off, like, a whole 
bottle of liquor or something like that. And so we say other people's sins are worse than our sins. But today we're just going to look at whatever sins God brings up into our soul. And we're going to ask God to, to destroy that sin. Um, we're, we're looking at an, an, just a beautiful passage. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Um, Colossians, you're going to find it in your bulletin. We're going to stand in a second to read it. But what I, in a second, not y'all. Um, but thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, um, listen to me. Listen to me. In most sermons, I think that if you miss the sermon, I think that you'll miss out on something. You'll, you'll lose out on something. In this sermon, if you don't listen to this sermon, I think you'll gain something. If you don't listen to this sermon, you're going to gain, by the time you die, you're going to gain more shame. You're going to gain more guilt. You're going to gain more of a severed conscience. Like in other sermons, if you miss, oh, you're going to miss the opportunity to be a parent, miss the opportunity to love Jesus more, you're going to miss the opportunity to be healthier, well, whatever. You know, you, you, in, in some sermons, you miss out if you miss. In this sermon, you gain if you miss. And so what I want you to do, which is, listen to me, I'm not kidding myself. I understand that people come to church for all sorts of different reasons. Not everybody's here to hear about Jesus. Some of you just want your wives off your back or, you know, some of you just, you know, the pretty girl invited you. You know, said, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? You were like, yes. And then, you know, and then they said, oh, I'm going to church. You were like, okay, I'll go. You know, uh, I understand that. So we all come for different reasons. And some of us come for really hurt reasons, right? We're wounded and we want to fix some stuff. And we figured, well, go to church and all that other stuff. So I get that. But if you miss out on the next 35 minutes, you will, miss, you will gain something that you don't want. You will gain more regret, more shame, more guilt. So please, please pay attention to what's being said. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 is where we're going to give ourselves for the rest of this uh, sermon. It's a very complex passage but you guys are very intelligent. I can see it just by the way you're dressed, that you guys are super intelligent, and you're going to be able to come along. But I need you to be engaged, and I need you to be focused, okay? So with that, let's all stand. I'm going to read the first five verses. You're going to read the last six verses, okay? I'll read the first five. We'll all read the last six, okay? So let me read. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above... Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Everyone, full voice. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, 
since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. May God bless the hearing of His Word. Okay. Have a seat. Today, what I'm, today, the big idea that I want to share with you, the one thing that you need to carry away, I'm going to say a bunch of things, but if you forget anything, if you forget everything that I say, I don't want you to forget this. And it's this. I want you to stop cuddling sin. I want you to kill it. I want you to stop cuddling sin. And I want you to kill it. I want you to murder sin. I want you to assassinate sin. I want you to stop cuddling sin. And I want you to kill it. That's the big idea for today. What I mean is this. What, what happens is, is we get a thought. And this thought, we decide, and it's the sin that hurt us five years ago. It's the sin that hurt us five months ago. It's the sin that hurt us five days ago. This is the sin that we keep on going back to. And what we do is we take this here sin and we say, this is bad but I'm going to hold on to it. And we wait till it hatches. And so, what, and I don't know what your sin is. Your sin might be different from mine, but you got yours. Isn't it true? And then when appropriate, when we feel we need it, when we would like to per, um, act out on it, we go, well, it's not so bad. And we take it out and we look at it and we cuddle it. We go, no, Mendito, you're going to be a beautiful little sin. You're going to be a beautiful little sin. We're going to keep you warm, and we're going to keep you living, and we're going to, you're going to be this perfect little sin. You're such a good little boy. So here's what we do. But watch this. We do this every time. Every time we say to ourselves, well, I deserve this. You know what? It's been a tough week, so I'm going to act out on this. Now, for different people, it's different things. Some of you, you, some of you owe more money on your credit cards than you do if you bought a brand new car. And it's painful for you. And what you've done is you've cuddled your sin long enough, and now you don't even know what to do with it. Some of you, some of you have decided that Jesus is not in control, but you sure are. And so you control and you manipulate and rage out and make sure that everything happens the way you want it because it can't go out of control. And you have taken the place of God in your lives. You're cuddling sin. Some, listen to me. Whatever your sin, whatever it is, if it comes at the end of a bottle or at the bottom of a can, at the tip of a needle, at the uh, beginning of a straw, at the toke of a joint, listen to me. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It matters what you, it matters that you partake in this thing that's killing you killing you. And so what we do is we cuddle this sin. And God says, I don't want you to. Mamita, I don't want you to. Papito, I don't want you to. You're doing the wrong thing. You're cuddling sin. And you say things like this, but it's not that bad. It's not all that. 
It's okay. Listen to me. Some of the way, listen, some of the way the husbands in this church treat their wives is, is word, it's just awful. Awful. You say things, and she's, she's your wife. She's your bride. Oh, but if I don't speak like this, then she won't get the point. Then let her not get the point, Bobby. Then let her miss the point until Jesus makes it. And then some of you, you treat your husbands like trash. And he, he can't, there's nobody who could live, Jesus couldn't live up to your expectations. Now, some of you guys are just lazy and y'all need to get to work and, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about, like, you know, natural stuff that you're supposed to be doing. But listen to me. When you, when you do that to one another, you do understand you're putting death into your relationships. For others of you, it, your sin is found at the end of a screen. Click, 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 click. And you tell yourself, well, the reason that I do this is so at least I don't act out and go outside of my relationship. And I would just say to you, you already are. You already are. You know, if you don't, if you don't believe, especially guys, man, if you don't believe that, just think of your, if your wife went click, click. Hey, honey, I'm not acting out. Wow, aren't they good looking? Like, who, what guy wants that, right? Listen to me. The sins, and I don't know what your sins are. Maybe your sin is at the opening of the door. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock at night, just before you go to bed, right? Right? You go and you grab the pint of haagen or you grab the deep fried foods, or you grab the leftovers, or you grab the donuts, or you grab whatever it is, whatever it is. But you know you're, you're deriving comfort from that thing. It's sin. Because Jesus wants to be our comfort. Jesus is the place we run for peace. Jesus is the one we run to for satisfaction and joy. Jesus is the one who satiates and satisfies. Jesus, you just sung it. Jesus, you're the well. That won't run dry. You're the one who satisfies. You're the one who quenches. You're the one who fills. You're the one. But what we wind up saying is we go, Jesus, hold up one second. Never mind. And then we just go to our sin and we cuddle it. This, this, this is the torture that I see Christians in all the time. So today we're going to talk about two major theological points that are going to point us to Jesus. Somebody say, point to Jesus. Let's hope that every time you hear a sermon from this stage or anywhere else, that if you hear a sermon, that it would point to Jesus. This is all finds its source in Jesus. We're going to talk about two theological terms. I wrestled with myself about bringing up these theological terms, and then I just realized we have a very intelligent uh, group of people that come to this church. So I'm, not, I'm not making a joke about that. I am true... We have some of the most creative people in the world sitting right here in this room. We have some of the most intelligent people in the world right here in this room. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about two deep theological concepts, and they're this. Repentance and mortification. Repentance and mortification. Somebody say that with me. Repentance and mortification. Let's look at repentance. Repentance is changing your mind. That's what repentance is. Repentance is changing your mind. So, say for instance, anybody here ever a kid and you have a dog? Did anybody here ever have a dog when you were a kid or anything? Okay, great. Okay, so here's what repentance looks like. Repentance is, you, you know, you open up a can of Alpo. Anybody here ever open up it? As a kid, that looks like stew, does it not? Like, it looks really good. Even as an adult, I look at it and go, gosh, that looks great, right? But now watch this. You try, have you, has anybody here ever tried Alpo, anybody at all? 
Okay, true story. My family, right? I'm in the bathtub. I'm the youngest of three. And so my brother and sister, my mother's cooking stew, my brother and my sister, they come. They run into the bath. And they go, here, Edwin, here, try this quick, quick, before mommy comes. And it was, as you guessed it, dog food. Yes. And so that's, and you wonder why I'm so, I got so many hang-ups, right? Yeah. Um, it's my brother and sister. They did it to me. Okay. So now watch this. So they, so they, it's like, oh, and immediately I repented. Immediately. I agreed with the creators of Alpo that that is for dogs and not for people. <laughs> Immediately, my mind changed. Immediately. Right? That's what repentance is. But now here's the deal. Some of us only think that our sin is only as bad as our consequence. And that's where we go wrong. So our sin is like 95% bad or 75% bad or for some of us, 15% bad. And what we're doing is we're saying that our sin is only so bad as our consequence. So we go outside of our marriage. My wife doesn't know about it. Sin has, is not bad. We go outside of the marriage. My wife finds out. Still, she stays. Eh, it's like 50% bad because I'm sorry that she's hurt. Go outside of our marriage. My wife leaves me. Now sin is real bad. You see, we gauge our sin in, in light of our consequence. And that's not repentance. That's selfishness. And you've been running on that for too long. Because it all goes back to, well, does it feel good? Does it feel, well, if it feels, you know, because what's the big idea in this world that we say, listen, if it feels good, what? Do it. do it. Yes, absolutely. If it feels good, do it. Hey, listen, you only have but what? One life to live, baby. Live it up. Listen, you, listen, this is, it's do what? Do, do God, right? No. Do what? Do you. Do you. Have it your own way. And so we run through life thinking that the only reason I'm going to stop screaming is because my wife threatened to leave and that would hurt me, so I'm really doing it for selfish reasons. The only reason I stopped buying is because these creditors are really chasing me down and I'm getting embarrassed now because, you know, they're repo- repossessing my stuff. But there's no change of mind. And so what does that mean? That means because we don't have a change of mind, it always have, has a level of looking good. Anybody here ever saw The Shining? Jack Nicholson? Yeah, it's the last scary movie I ever saw. Honestly, last scary movie I ever saw was The Shining. I was a little kid. I saw the TV version, and it traumatized me, right? And so it was like crazy. Well, there was this one scene. The one scene is that there's girl. This is what sin is, and, and you have to see it this way. If you don't see it this way, you're going to lose out on the whole concept that we're going to talk about today because we're going to try to kill sin, not cuddle it, right? Okay, so what happens is, is that there's this perfect 10 that comes out of the bathtub. You understand what I'm saying, perfect 10, right? There's this absolute, like, Miss Universe, Miss America, perfect 10 that comes out of the bathtub and says to Jack, the character who goes crazy in the movie, says, kiss me. And we're like, you know, every teenage boy who's watching the movie is like, yeah. Absolutely. Right. And, and all the all the adult guys are like, yeah, this is fantastic. So um, so kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Well, she goes, she kisses him. And as he kisses her and then he opens her eyes, he's this 85 year old wrinkled old lady. Listen, That's what sin is like. It promises you satisfaction and seduction and arousal and beauty. And you kiss it. Listen to me. And it turns into something shriveled up and wretched and nasty. Repentance is simply agreeing with God about what he thinks about your sin. Just agreeing with God. No, 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 Edwin. That 
that click, that's not 95% bad and 5%, uh, 95% bad and 5% good because you'll feel bad later or whatever. Listen, no, no, no. That's 100% bad. That's awful. That's death. No, no, no. Putting your trust in those credit cards to supply your needs is not 95% bad. It's 100%. It's evil from jump. Last illustration on sin. It would be as if someone went to you. And let's say, for instance, you're married. For some of you, you're going to have to use your imagination for this illustration. You're married and you have three beautiful children, right? And so they come up to you and they go, oh, you guys. They go to, you know, you and your spouse and they say, you guys look so tired. You need some rest. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pay for a flight, pay for a mansion, pay for a flight to California, pay for a mansion for you to stay there, um, rent the car for you, give you a couple of grand so that you can kind of roam around and do whatever you want, and I'll take care of your kids. I'll take care of your kids while you go. And you like, you, I mean, oh my gosh, you're thanking Jesus for, for that person all the way through. And so you get, you, you get on the, you know, you, you drive your car and you're like, oh, this, this person is great. You get on the plane, wow, this person is great. You get in the, uh, the, the, the mansion, wow, this person is great. You're spending money, you're buying clothes, you're eating out, you're doing all this wonderful stuff. Wow, this guy is great. I can't believe they're my best friends. I can't believe how much they loved us. You're enjoying your spouse. What happens? You come back only to find out that he sold your children off as sex slaves in a different country that you have no idea. He just wanted to get you out of the picture. All of a sudden, every kind thing that this guy has done for you is the most vile, disgusting, evil thing. Because in the end, you got death. In the end, your children paid for it. Listen to me. That's your sin. In the end, it feels, oh, but this feels good. Oh, but I like to do this. Oh, but, you know, it's, it's just a way to take the edge off. Oh, but I feel so stressed. I go, listen, 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 listen. In the end, it'll rape. It'll pillage. It'll plunder. It'll kill. It'll destroy. Sin destroys. We don't want to cuddle sin. We don't want to keep it close. We don't want to cuddle sin. So that's what repentance looks like. Mortification is to kill. And we'll give an illustration of what killing sin looks like a little bit later on. But I need you to know that mortification is killing your sin. It's not just going... You know, it's not picking up your phone and going, oh, it's them, should I pick it up or should I not? That decision should be answered already. No, 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 I'm not going to pick up that phone. Not only am I not going to pick up the phone, I'm going to delete it. I'm going to block them. I'm going to block them from coming into my phone. Oh, that's so extreme. No, your wife doesn't think so. Your husband doesn't think so. Every time I give people suggestions, like, you know, they're flirting with somebody at work, I go, dude, quit your job. If it's that emotional, quit your job. Like, you're, you're, you're coming to me, obviously it's a big deal. So, quit your job. And you go, I do, and you're so extreme. You know, I, I go, you're, so, you're so extreme. You're saying, you go overboard. Listen to me. Your kids don't think I'm extreme. Your, my, your wife won't. And quite frankly, at the end of it, you won't either. You'll think it will be a small price to pay. Because sin will destroy you. Now, let's look at this text that we just finished reading because we're going to look at what repentance and mortification looks like. Now, the first paragraph that we're going to look at this text, the first paragraph is going to give us the theology to do the second paragraph. In other words, if you understand the first paragraph, the second paragraph is easy. 
If you don't understand the first paragraph, then the second paragraph is impossible. Make sense? Okay. Now, watch this. For those of you who are new to Christianity, those of you who have not bowed the knee, maybe you're kicking the Christian tires, you're not sure if you're going to... do This is a message for followers of Christ. And so you can listen in and say, wow, I would like to try that. Or, oh, man, that would be good. Or maybe it will help you to come cross over the line. But this is a message for Christians. You can't do this in your own willpower. This, only Jesus can do this. Everything that I'm going to ask you to do, it's impossible for you to do. In fact, I'll prove it to you. Haven't you tried to stop your sin before? Haven't you done that before? Haven't you just said, you know what, I'm just going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop acting this way. I'm going to stop hanging with those people. I'm going to stop doing it. You've done it a million times, and a million times you've failed. Only the person with Christ who lives in their heart, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can be free, really free. So let's look at this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Yes, listen to me. If Christ is at the center of your life, if Christ is the one, since, if, then, Christ. In other words, if you're at the center of your life, good luck. If, you're, if the only reason you want to stop the sin is because it's hurting too much, good luck. I've seen people with 25 years clean lose their clean time because they simply forgot. Imagine this. It's, they forgot that it hurt. Imagine that. But think about this for a second. They, in that whole 25 years, it never became anything other than self-centered for them. The only reason that they didn't use is because they thought it would hurt. And so if you start there, that's fine, but you can't stay there. You have to go. We, we're living not so that we could avoid hurt, but that we could worship a Savior. We're living for the glory of a King. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Anybody remember the first time they fell in love? Do you remember? Do you have that person, right? Teenage, right? Okay. First time you fell in love. Could have been a school teacher, right? Could have been, right? You know when you're a kid, you fall in love with your school teacher? Oh, you know. You know know what happened when you fell in love with someone when you were a teenager? It happens when you're an adult, too. You set your heart on them. And it was something that's quite simple and quite natural. You found them lovely. And your heart got set on them. Your aspirations, your desires, they got set on them. And then nobody else, and, you know, right, your friends would go up to you, especially if it was a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever, you know. Um, your friends would go up to you and go, oh, you're such a flat lever. And because, you know, you would leave them and now you're hanging out with, you know, Johnny Rocket or Susie Soho or whatever it is, you know. And so you're hanging out with them. And so you're hanging out with them and you say, Oh, but I'm, what, my heart is set on them. Jesus is going, listen, they're going to break your heart. So here's an idea. Set your heart on things above. Set your heart on the glory of God. Set your heart on the beauty of the one who would give his life to see you set free. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This is just a phrase to speak about the glory of Jesus. This phrase proves that Jesus is God. It's a reinforce. What is it saying? It's saying in this culture, if you said, oh, if you said, hey, come here, sit at my right hand. What you're saying is you have equal authority with me. You have equal uh, say as I do. It's saying that Jesus has equal authority with God the Father. 
That's amazing. So set your mind on things above where Christ is. Don't have it here below on my appetites, on my desires, on my hungers, on my wants, on my, what, my perceived needs. Don't have it on that. Set your minds on things above. Set your, and verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And here's the reason. Watch this. This is so important. Listen to me. This is the reason that you could set your minds on things above. You know how, okay, now come close, because this is important. Remember how last week, last week I told you that I really struggled with my sexual orientation and my identity. Remember how I did that last week and I told you about how I struggled with it? I don't know if I say this in the first service or the second service. So if you don't remember it, then maybe I said it in the first service, but okay, I don't remember. My point is this. I struggled with that before I was a teenager and after my 20s. Long time. So I think this is my identity. And so it was impossible for me not to think this is the way I am. Not just that. But I also had a problem with rage and anger. And it was only, the only way I could get someone to back off or create space for myself is to act out on rage. I have a million of these things, but watch this. Those two I took on as identity. Well, Edwin, this is the way you are. This is who you are. This is the way you'll always be. I took them on as identity. What I'm trying to tell you is that Christ is your identity. Christ is your identity. We do not, listen to me, listen to me. I don't take my identity from anything that the world says. Christ is my identity. Christ is the one. And so the reason I didn't have to take on that identity is because of the next verse. That's how powerful it is. Verse 3. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You ever, let me ask you something. You ever try to tempt a dead person? Have you ever tried to tempt a dead person? Okay, so I do a lot of funerals, right? So I see this sort of thing all the time. Where people try to tempt dead people, but it doesn't work. Okay, now watch this. So I go to a funeral, right? And it's usually a funeral of a kid. It's usually a younger kid, but sometimes it can be older. Um, And you go to the funeral, and what happens? If they were drinkers or users or whatever, people come to the casket. Anybody know what they do? They go into their pocket, and it's, you know, if they were, you know, potheads, they put, you know, a a nickel bag of weed or, you know, a little bottle. Here's what I've, now, I've seen that several times before. Has anybody ever seen or heard of that? Right, yeah, yeah. I've seen that a bunch of times. You know what I've never seen? I've never seen the person in the casket go, man, you are a friend. That's what I wanted. I've never seen that happen. You know why? Because you can't tempt dead people. You can't tempt dead people. Now watch this. Listen to me. I want you to hear this verse again. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. So when I walked around saying, this is my identity, this is who I am, this is how I have to consider myself in this sin. Oh, I'm going to be an addict for the rest of my life. I'm going to be a rageaholic for the rest of my life. I'm going to struggle with my sexual identity for the rest of my life. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is who I am. Jesus goes, that's who you were. And then I killed you. And you can't be tempted that way again. You died. You're dead. When Christ, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Listen to me. The beauty about that statement is that no matter what you're suffering through, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what your temptation is, no matter how great it is, you go, oh, I'll never be able to get over that temptation. It'll be too much for me. Jesus is coming. That's what we have to look forward to. Jesus is coming. And when Jesus comes, all of the stuff that we struggle with, that we wrestle with, that we deal with, will all be gone. You died. You no longer. So watch this. When Satan comes to you and says, hey, listen, have a little bit of this, or tempts you, hey, cheat on your taxes, or says, you know, have another plate, or says, you know, have the dessert, and you go, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm full, or you eat till you gorge, and then you make yourself throw up. When at, whatever your sin is, whatever you find yourself kind of really wrestling with, really struggling with, listen to me, listen to me, this is huge, this is huge. I've died. I no longer have to partake in that. I am free to live this life in Christ. When Christ is your life, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, this is what I need for you to know. It's this first paragraph that gives us the understanding when we see Jesus as lifted up. Now watch this. When some of us see our sin, here's the problem. We see our sin as 95% bad and 5% good, right? And there's a payoff there. That's why we do it, because there's a payoff there. If you're wondering why you act out on your sin, it's because you like it. Nobody does something that they don't like. You like it. That's why you act out on sin. That's why I say it's five. You go, oh, but it's killing me. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, I understand. You like it. There's part of you that, want, that hopes for something when you partake in that sin, whatever it is. Lying, stealing, cheating, whatever your deal is. So what Jesus is saying is that you're dead to that. So when Satan comes by and he says, pick up the phone or, you know, you get the thought, I I should block. Oh, I can't block them. Yes, you can. You're dead to that temptation. Block them. When Satan says, oh, doesn't that look like fun? No, it doesn't. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to call somebody in my network and I'm going to tell him, hey, listen, Satan trying to tempt a dead person. And I just wanted to tell somebody on it. And so you just, it's, it, when we understand that when Jesus died, he died so that we could have relationship with him and he killed our sin, my goodness, there is freedom in that. It's one thing when you say, it's one thing when you say, hey, listen, uh, it's tough, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to not act out. That's one thing to say that. It's another thing when you say, no, I'm dead to it. It has no call on me. I'm not going to flirt with it. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm not going to tease it. I'm not going to go a little bit further. I'm not going to... No, 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 no. Dead. True story. So I'm going up... uh, Raymond and I are in a... um, We're in Denver. That's where we were. We were in Denver. And we had eaten a lot too much, right? And so we tried to walk it off. So I wanted to get my wife a card because I'm a great husband. And so... uh, Not really. And so, so but I wanted to get her a card to let her know how, you know, I was having fun in Denver and blah, blah, blah. And just to kind of, like, let her know, write a card. So uh, there was these trolleys that come around in the mall in Denver. So Ray jumped on a trolley because he ate too much. So he's going to the hotel. So I'm by myself, and I walk, and do 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 And then I get to the hotel. I get on the elevator. Second floor, woman with a French accent comes on. Very, very, uh, you know, figure, very full-figured, right? What do you say about that? I don't know. Um, just like... Uh, you know, just like, you know, yeah, just, 
Right. Okay. So she was a woman. She was a woman with a French accent, and she was not bad looking. Okay. So, um, so what happened was is that we're talking, you know, just pleasant, you know, pleasantries, right? You know, it's like, oh, here, business or pleasure? Oh, I'm on business because I'm on this thing, you know. And what about you? Oh, just a little bit of both. Oh, okay, great, 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 great. Eleven floors later, it's a really old elevator. It's a classic building, historic building. Gets to whatever her floor, eleventh floor, twelfth floor. I can't remember what floor her was. She gets off, and I'm not kidding. She gets off the elevator and puts her hand in and says, come with me. Freeze frame. Okay? (laughs) This is every boy's dream, right? Like, every boy has been dreaming about this since he was 12 years old. Oh, my gosh! That's exactly... You want to be in a place with a different time zone, with a woman who you'll never see again, and, you know, nobody will ever know. This is like the, uh, the question that people ask. If you could get away with robbing a million dollars, what you do it? Right? And so I'm like, holy cow! Right. Back here, right? She goes, come with me. And it was as if the Holy Spirit threw me up against the glass. Slam. It was a, it was a mirror behind me threw me up against the mirror. I said, no, 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 no. And thank God the elevators were old, so to cut her arm off if she'd have kept it there. You know, not like those laser, you know. And so she had to pull her hand back. It wasn't those old ones, you know, the new ones where it'll stay open for as long as your hand is in there and stuff like that. And so I cut it. And so I went up and I I confessed to Raymond. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The Holy Spirit will do that for you every time. When you're alone, when you're with people, when nobody's watching, when everybody's watching, the Holy Spirit will do that. You know why? Because you're dead to sin. He died. You know what your sin looks like? Your sin doesn't look like 5% fun. Your sin looks like 39 lashes to the back. It looks like nail cutting through skin. It looks like blood pouring out on a cross. It looks like a man being suspended between heaven and earth, crying out, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabak tonight. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? me and the answer is is so that you and I could be free from sin so we could be drawn close to God so we could no longer have to be slaves to those things that once enslaved us before the gospel when we understand this first paragraph it's the gospel folks and it's the power to save it's the power to free then we can do what we're going to talk about so let's see if we can do it got it okay verse five let's read the next Three words in a nice loud voice all together, everyone, on the count of three. One, two, three. Put to death. Don't play. Don't cuddle sin. Don't play with sin. Don't have sin as an option. It's ridiculous. Ah, I really struggle with overeating. Can I look at your refrigerator, please? Can I just, just, I understand you struggle. Do do me a favor. Let me go to your house. Let Let me look at your refrigerator. Because you're cuddling sin. If you're str- Good night. If you're struggling with overeating, wouldn't it make sense not to have that sort of stuff easily available? Wouldn't that make sense? But you know what? We do that sort of foolishness with sex. We do that sort of foolishness with gossip. We do that sort of foolishness with pride. We, we stay as close to sin as possible. And we hurt ourselves. The Bible says, don't cuddle it. Don't spank it. Don't be... Here's what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying... Most people, when they deal with sin, they deal with it like a boxer. Woo! Knocks the guy down, give him a 10. And they wait for their sin to get back up again and get strong again. And now, woo, not doing so good. Not doing so good. No, 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 no. What the Bible is saying? The Bible is saying, no, no, no. 
Addressing your sin is not for the boxing world. Addressing your sin is for the UFC. All right? You knock a guy down, ultimate fighting, uh, anybody, uh, uh, no, right? Ultimate fighting championship, right? You knock a guy down and you ground and pound him until he stops moving. You ground and pound him until you absolutely are rid of this sin. You don't go, oh, mendito. I'll just keep, you know what? I'm going to erase the number, but I'm not going to block her. I'm going to erase the number. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to go on the website. I'm going to stop going on that website. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? All right, I'll have it there because, you know, it is food and, you know, kids are starving in Africa, so I can't throw it away. And so I'm going to keep it there. Or I'm, I'm you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to gossip with them, but I'm going to keep all my friends that are gossips. You know what you're doing? You're allowing your temptation and your sin an opportunity to get you again. And so that's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put it to death. So it's kind of like this. So if you can imagine that here's your sin. This is your sin, right? And we've been cuddling it and holding it close to our chest, knowing the cute, right? Right? This is our sin. Mendito, come here. And we come over here. And don't worry, we're going to keep you in here for two months, and then we'll come out, and you wonder why you keep on relapsing on the same thing every three months. Right? It's because you cuddle your sin. It's because you cuddle your sin. So what the Bible is saying is that you, what I want you to do is I don't want you to cuddle sin. I want you to kill sin. I want you to put it to death. So, what the Bible is saying is that I want you to, for that number that you don't want to hear from anymore, I don't want you to just not pick it up. I want you to cancel, uh, um, block the phone. You know, for that, that issue with the Internet that you have, yeah, I don't want you to just uh, say, oh, man, I'm not going to go on the Internet. I want you to cut off the cable. And you go, oh, but I got to do research. Listen, you ain't in college no more. You ain't doing no research. You ain't doing no research. And if you really got to do research, go ahead and go to the library. They got computers there too, okay? Right? So what, what the Bible is saying, no, 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 I don't want you to cuddle your sin. What I want you to do is I want you to kill your sin. I want you to kill your sin. I don't want you to call them back. I don't want you to have, I want you to kill your sin. Because if you don't kill your sin, your sin is going to kill you. And then the temptation comes back again and you go, oh, we weren't done yet, are we? And so you kill your sin some more. Why? Why? Because if you don't kill sin, kill, sin will kill you. And some of you, for some of you, listen to me, some of you, you don't need that illustration. You got your life. And so God is saying, no, I don't want you to, I don't want you, I don't want you to cuddle your sin. I want you to kill it. Put to death. Therefore, why? How can, can I do it with my own willpower? No, you can't. You can't grab the stick. You don't have the strength. You can't put the sin there. You don't have the ability. You can't crush the sin. You don't want to. But you know who can? Anybody know? Take a guess. Jeez, yeah. All right. For the new people here, the, right, the answer to my question that I always ask, the right answer is always what? Yeah. Okay. So it's an easy test. Okay. So now, anybody know who has the power to take away that sin from your life? Anybody know who has that power? Jesus. Anybody know who has the ability and the strength to destroy sin and temptation that comes to your life? Jesus. Absolutely. It's Jesus who does it. And you know why? You know how he does it? He gives you something better. He gives you himself. Let me tell you something. There's not an image on the internet. There's not a person in the world. There's not a financial benefit that you can, that's better than Jesus. 
There's not a, an option in history. There's not an opportunity that you have in your life. There's not a relationship worth saving that is better than Jesus. Because of what we found out in the first paragraph that we read, we can kill. Murder. Sin. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. If you're not sure what, the, what you're going to be putting to death, if you were confused in this sermon, what, what should I kill? Like, how, what, what should I do? Oh, let's see. Your sexual immorality. Oh, gosh. Really? Really? Impurity. Ooh. Lust. What does it look like to kill these things in your life? Evil desires, greed. What does it look like to kill these things? What does it look like to grab a big stick and destroy these things and be merciless with them? What does it look like? It looks like, listen to me, listen to me. It looks like being ruthless with your sin. Can I just, let's be practical for a second. If there's someone at your job that you're flirting with, listen to me, listen to me. Leave your job before you continue that relationship. Kill your sin. If there's a relationship, listen to me, there's a relationship that you have. Jesus is better than any relationship. If it's in sin, then Jesus is better. You decide, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to, oh gosh, we have so much sin. I don't even know where to start sometimes. I don't have to, I don't have to pack these in. You know what your sin is. The Bible says that all of these sins fall into one major category. You know what that is? idolatry. That means what you do is that you worship something other than Jesus. You think you'll find your joy, your satisfaction, your happiness, your worth, your completeness. You think you're going to find it in that thing, in controlling the environment, in that person, in that instance, in that environment, with that relationship, if you made that much money. And Jesus is saying, you're worshiping another God. You're worshiping another God, it's idolatry. Because of these, verse 6, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the, in the life you once lived. Look up at me. You know what's good about the Bible? The Bible doesn't tell it the way it should be. It tells it the way it is. Here's the thing. All of you. You know how, here's the thing. As I'm speaking, every one of you is getting either offended by me or convicted by the Holy Spirit. And, and I think it's both convictions of the Holy Spirit. You think that I'm talking about your deal. You're going, oh, why is he harping so much on your deal? The only reason is it's like buying a car. Have you ever bought a car? Like you got a car, like a Honda. Uh, I got a, um, a Camry, right? And all of a sudden, almost every car on the road was a Camry. Have you ever noticed that? Like, you know, you, you buy a car, right? And it's like, oh, my gosh, there's another Camry. And you go, oh, look, there's another Camry, right? You, go, you do that. You know why? Because once something is of interest to you, you start noticing it everywhere. That's why the Holy Spirit right now wants to convict you of your sin. And you're going, but why keeps on talking about that? Why keeps on talking about that? Because the Holy Spirit, now, now everything's a Camry. Now you're seeing all the sin, now you're becoming sensitive to it. And the Holy Spirit will not only give you the power to 
repent. In other words, to see it as the evil, disgusting thing that it is, but to kill it as well. But now you must also rid yourselves. And just in case you thought these things were like outside stuff, like sexual immorality and and all that stuff. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Listen to me. So when Christ becomes Lord, King, and God in my life, you know what happens, right? I get to take off the other stuff that used to be my identity, that used to be the thing that I lived for. I get to take it off. I go, never again. Never again. I'm free. I'm a new creation. I no longer. I get to take it off. You know what I get to put on? The righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ. I don't, listen to me. I don't have to live for that person's approval because Christ has approved of me. I don't have to get my satisfaction from that image because the image of Christ satisfies me. I don't have to try to lie to this person to save my reputation because Christ has given me a new identity. I don't have to um, get all anxious and worried about the economy and all this other stuff because Christ is my supply. I don't have to be concerned about my needs are going to be met because Christ fulfills every need. Every need. Christ is our satisfaction. And have, and have put on, and so it says, take off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Listen to me. You know, I told you this before, you know you're dying, right? You do know this, right? Like, you know, happy Thanksgiving, you're dying. You're all going to die in a hundred years from now. None of us are going to be here, not even the kids in the nursery. We're all going to be dead in a hundred years. Now watch this. Listen to me. You're dying, but you're, look, listen to me. You're getting better. Your body is decaying. Your body is losing strength. Your body is losing. Listen to me. You're dying, but you're getting better. For the Christian, the Christian looks more and more like Jesus. It says so right here. And you, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. That's why last week we harped so hard on spending time with God's word. Like, get on that site, Scripture Union. It's a great site. Get on the site and find a a reading program from the Bible that's for you. And the more we learn about God's Word, the more we see beauty, beauty in Christ, the more we see Him lifted up, we become more and more like Jesus. I do this with my kids all the time. They're walking down, and let's say it's Lydia. I'll go, uh, Grace, uh, uh, Serenity, uh, Edwin, uh, Lydia. Okay, come here. Do you ever do that with your kids, where you start calling them different names? I do that all the time, right? Listen to me. This is what I want. I want this so bad. I want when you walk down the street, I want them to go, uh, Jesus, uh, 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 Edwin. That's what I want. I want them to confuse you for Jesus. That's what I want for you. I want that you would live such a Christ-like, Christ-exuding, Christ-glorifying, Christ-faming life that you could be mistaken for Jesus. And then it says, here... That is, in the gospel, in what we just learned, here, there is no, and then he just rattles off a bunch of stuff to kill any of your reservations or deals that you say, well, I can't do this. He goes, here, there is no Gentile, Jew, 
Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. You see, when he says here, there's neither Jew nor um, Gentile, what he's saying is neither religious or irreligious. If you're religious or irreligious, you can get in. Christ can live in you. You can have the power to do what we just said to kill your sin. If you're circumcised or uncircumcised, if you come from whatever culture you come from, right? If you have the Jamaican culture, the Puerto Rican culture, the American culture, the, the Scandinavian culture, whatever your culture, doesn't matter. You, too, can know the gospel. And you, too, can be free. You're not exempt. If you're slave or free, oh, I'm sorry, barbarian or Scythian, that means if you're a foreigner and you have no idea, you never heard the name of Jesus, uh, this is the first time you're hearing the name of Jesus, or you've been in church your whole life, it's okay. Listen to me. You too can be free and set free by the power of the gospel. If you're slave or free, it doesn't matter your economic situation. You could be the poorest of the poor. You can live on a park bench or you could live in Park Avenue. Listen to me. It's all for you. None of us have any excuse. The power of the gospel in Jesus Christ can free us from our sin. And what will happen if you do? Here's what I promise. What will happen if you do kill your sin? What's going to happen is another temptation is going to come. Anybody know what you're going to do with that temptation? You kill it. You're going to destroy it. You're not going to save it. You're not going to hold on to the number just in case they call. You're not going to mess with it. You're, not going, to, you're going to kill it. You're going to kill it. Listen. You're going to kill it, right? You're going to kill it. Listen to me. As a pastor, I just want to speak to you as your pastor who loves you. I'm, I'm going to die here serving you. You do know this. Listen to me. I'm so hurt and sick to death of Satan taking advantage of all of you. And the excuse, in fact, sometimes I hear his accent on some of our lips. The excuses that you give are the ones that I've heard a thousand times. But I'm so young. But I'm too old. But I'm, it's just, it's in every, listen to me. It's horrible. Here's what happens. You know how they catch elephants? Do you know how they catch elephants? For like uh, uh, circuses and things like that? Here's what they do. What they do is they take a baby elephant, they separate it from his family, and then they take like this huge, thick, super thick chain, you know, the kind that you would, you know, tow something with or hold a very heavy thing, and they wrap it around its leg. And then they take like a 10-foot steel beam and drill it into the earth. And so the, the baby elephant tries to move, and it moves, and it tries to move, and it kicks, and it kicks. And it literally will do that until it wears the skin out off of its leg. It's that intent. But do you know that after that process, when that elephant is now full grown and can tip over a tank, you can, you can keep that elephant stuck there with a clothesline and a tent peg. Because once it feels a little tug of the string, it stops moving. Because it's trapped. It doesn't know that it has the power to break free. I wish I had the ability to convince you that Christ is your power to break free. 
that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit takes God's holy work and transforms the heart that belongs to God for his holy glory. I wish I could convince you of that. I don't want to see you as MIAs. I don't want to see you as prisoners of war. I want you to be free. Really, really free. So Shelly's going to come up and sing, and then we're going to take communion. But here's what we're going to take communion about. We're going to take communion. We're going to rejoice that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and that he knew we had no power to be free from sin, but that he can free us from it by the power of his death for our souls. So listen, listen. Are you thinking about the sin that you're going to put to death? All right, I want you to put it to death. Change the phone number. Block the number. Uh, Take the computer off or take the cable off. Oh, but the kids, listen, you'll spend more time with the kids for crying out loud. Whatever it takes, but be ruthless with your sin.